My name is Brandon Wade, but you can call me Mr. Brandon Wade. You can call me B2. You can call me B squared. You can call me B Wade. But I got two rules for you if you're going to call me anything. Speak life and keep it real. If you do that, you're good in my book. Welcome to Pay It Forward. Whether this is a short episode or a long episode, I give you the greatest commodity that I have. Myself, who I am, who I'm learning to be, and who I've been. I give you my experiences. I give you my heart. I give you the parts of myself that even I don't necessarily want people to know. So if you're going to show up here, my only request to you is this. If you're blessed by anything that you hear from me, pay it forward to somebody else and speak life into the people that you're around. So let's check out what the show's about today. I always like when people believe about me what I want them to believe. I don't know if anybody else has that issue, but I learned to control people's perceptions of me probably, I don't know, around four, I think it is. I learned that you can't be accepted for who you are unless people see a part of you that they can relate to and or connect to. That who you are is just bottom line, not good enough. That's the first one of the first early lessons I learned. You know, for anybody that might be parents, you know, I, I, I again, I'm not a parent yet, so I can't really speak to what type of issues and difficulties come with that. But I know from being a child, which everybody's never been a there's a lot of people ain't been parents, but a lot of people been children. Everybody's been a child. So I can still remember that. At four years old, uh, my dad yelled at me like a grown man. And the first thing he said was, boy, what's wrong with you? And I internalized that. Like, fundamentally, something was wrong with me. And it wasn't something that he just said once. It was something that he repeated over time. So when I got to kindergarten, uh, I wasn't really very good at words, ironically. I really wasn't. Like, when it came down to talking to people, I always was the one with the joke or I'd say something funny, but it would either be offbeat. It would not be right. It wouldn't, I like, it wouldn't come out of my mouth. Right. And I'd always get laughed at about it. And I was like, wow, something really must be wrong with me. So what I started doing was I started studying. Um, I had a person that I called a friend, but I got a lot of bullying from him throughout my life. And he just emotionally bullied me. You know, he'd share, share secrets and all kinds of stuff about my life. Whenever I tell him something, he'd swear he'd tell nobody and he would literally go and tell everybody and I would go. I'd believe him each and every time. But it was so familiar. I was like, yeah, why not? You know, I accepted it even as a kid. So I always felt like something was wrong with me. So what I learned to do was I started studying people that seemed like everyone liked them. I would study them. I study their mannerisms. And then first I tried to copy people and that didn't really work very well. Because what I had to learn about copying people is that people can always tell when what you're doing something that's not authentic to who you actually are. So when I would try to copy them, I try to find their words, I find their swag, I'd say it exactly like they did, and I just get outed for it immediately. Like people would make fun of me, they clown me, they and I would just be sitting here like, well, I'm like, I'm damned if I do, damned if I don't. And I never understood why it was that it just seemed like people were not responding to me. So I would try to study things. You know, I'd always imagine myself being taller, being well-dressed, smelling good. Um, I always thought maybe it was just I didn't look good, you know. 
And I always got mixed messages about that. Some people would say that I look handsome. Some people would say that. And then I had very weird experiences. You know, I, I did not have always the healthy of experiences when it came to interactions with the same sex or the opposite sex. Um, I didn't really understand anything that was going on um, about what it seemed like was happening in my life. So when I got good enough to sort of create a, a persona or an idea of what I wanted to be, and it seemed like people were taking to that, my, all my effort went into crafting and maintaining that persona. In the neurodivergent community, we call that masking. So everything that I learned came into crafting and perfecting that persona. Perfecting what I needed that person to see of me. And if I could just keep that persona up long enough, eventually I could make myself be loved and I could convince myself that because I learned what I needed to learn that I was good enough. It sucks not feeling like you're good enough. I still kind of feel like that today. Actually, no, nah, that's not even kind of. I still feel like that today. I've been told all kind of things. I've been told things by people that were abusive. I've been told things by people who were not abusive. One thing I was always told is that I always had a lot of influence. I had an ex-girlfriend tell me that. She's like, you know, you, you know, whenever you do something, people always listen to you. And I'm sitting here like, do they, though? Because I wasn't feeling like I was being listened to at my house. You know, the one place that I felt like I really needed to be listened to, it just seemed like people was like, yeah, get it together. Shrug your shoulders. I spent a lot of time feeling lost. And I've been confronted with myself a lot over this past, I don't know, month or two. You know, emotional maturity is a work. And all that. And I've been just being confronted with like, who is Brandon? What does Brandon want to be? What things do Brand bring life to Brandon? And I've hated answering that for myself. <laughs> like genuinely, I've been, I've been, I've been glad that I've come up with some of these answers, but I've, I've hated having to be the one to take responsibility because I still feel robbed and cheated. My dad was my hero. And it was like a night ago or two, I, I admitted that to myself, that Robert Wade was my hero. I still feel that way about him. And it's something else when you feel like your hero is letting you down. I guess that's sort of why people are supposed to be people and not heroes. And maybe it's just, if not that, maybe it's just that the best heroes in the world are just people. You know, I've always taken pride in being able to bend and manipulate the perceptions of people around me, even if it was my own. Made me a really good actor. Didn't really make me a healthy person. But that was how I was taught. And then when I got into church, it got easier. It was like, oh, okay, people don't really care about who you are as much as they care more about what you do. Transparency was not really ever required of me in these places. Obedience was required of me. You know, it was like, we don't care if you like it. We just care that you do it. And once I realized that, I was like, oh, people will uh, approve of me. 
cool. But the thing is, is that nobody was actually approving of me. They were just approving of what I was doing. And they were approving of the way that I pleased them. And I thought, well, that's the way you live life, right? You make sure people see what they need to see out of you. And then you take the lonely, sad parts of you. And when nobody's around, then maybe, just maybe, you acknowledge that it exists. Yeah, no, that's not very fun. And it's not very real. It takes courage to strip the mask away in a world that's still very concerned about masking. In a world that's still full of children just trying to protect themselves. It takes courage to do that. And to this day, I still like the idea that I can make someone think about me whatever I want them to think. And I also am coming to understand that I don't, I don't like doing that at the risk of, being, of not being able to be myself. There are some deep and personal desires that I have in life. Some of them are very simple. Some of them are simple as safety with people, uh, a healthy physical touch, platonic affection. I don't want it from everybody, but I hate admitting that it's there, but it is. You know, I did the whole thing on who hates having needs. Yeah, I still, I'm getting better at it, but yeah, no, I do. So the whole thing is, is when I'm trying to manage somebody else's perception of me, I'm doing that at the cost of me. I was even, uh, when I was on my, uh, my discord with, uh, some of my, uh, my younger nieces and nephews, I was on there with them. It had gotten to a point that I, I had felt like I'd stopped being authentic and I started managing their perception of me. I was like, they need to always see me as the good person, you know, the positive influence, and I took it on as a role and I, I stopped becoming me. And the reality is, is that me in general, I am a person that speaks like, like that's me. And then I also have other sides. I got a hood side, even though I'm not hood, I'm square. But I grew up in the hood. I grew up around a lot of people that were. So yeah, I got a love for the hood. I've gotten along with shooters and killers and all that stuff like that. And I also get along with nerds and squares. You know? I've got all kinds of sides to me. Got dark side. I've got a side that really loves the Lord for some reason. I've got a side that really don't like the Lord very much. That's also true. I got a lot of sides. I got a side that wants to be held. I got a side that don't want to be touched. I've never really felt like I could accept that. I got a lot of sides. And I was I was always trying to manage that my their perception of me because I was just like, I don't want them to see me as somebody they can't trust. And you want to know what that makes? Someone they can't trust. I just came out of an experience where I had done this to somebody and I actually had to go back and apologize to them and make things right because um I had I'm also um I also do work in the industry as a film editor and I was doing a project for a client 
and uh, they asked uh, they asked me to do something under a deadline. And if you're in the industry, you know that a lot of things are deadline oriented. And I promised them I'd take the task on and that I'd finish it and do a, a, a an upstanding job. And I did some of that. But there was a point early on when I looked at the project and I realized to myself, I can't do this. And I didn't tell this person because I was terrified of letting them down. I was terrified of them being angry and resentful. I was terrified. And this person kind of reminded me of my dad a little bit. So I was even more scared. 32 years old, grown man, if you will, scared. And I was so scared that I just kept trying to do it. I thought that I'd be LeBron in the fourth quarter or Kobe in the fourth quarter. Felt like I was going to come through clutch. I didn't. The project, you know, didn't we didn't end very well on good terms initially. And this person had even accused me a little bit. And I was pissed. Boy, when I tell you I was pissed, nigga, I was heated. I did not like being talked to like that. And I remember I went back and my mom had even talked to me and was like, was there anything that you could have done? And I'm sitting here like, yeah, yeah, I know that. Yes, I know that. I'm over here thinking like, man, could you have done this? Could you have done that? And the thing I had to admit was, Brandon, you knew that this project wasn't for you and you still took it because you did you were afraid to say no and it wasn't even that i was afraid to say no to him i was afraid to say yes to me i knew it was a project i didn't want to do i knew it was a project i didn't have the capacity to do i already had another project i was working on i said yes to him out of obligation out of fear out of shame and out of a desire to control his perception of me. I wanted him to see me as someone who did not fail. I was still trying to find my dad in somebody else. And I had to look at myself and go, yeah, you, you screwed that up. Now, was it all on me? No, but I had to take responsibility to what was on me. Well, I didn't have to, but I chose to. So I sent that person a message and I said, you know what? I owe you an apology. We had agreed on a set rate. He had paid me a portion of it. I said, nah, you don't owe me no more money. We're even. I said, because I didn't give you what you wanted and I wasn't true to myself. And had I been true to myself, I'd have told you this is not a job I can do. It felt good to be true to myself, but I felt disappointed in myself for all the years I've tried to manage people's perceptions of me. And I tried to do it with him, but that was the day I stopped. I always wanted to look like the one who didn't fail. And that's stupid because look at how the lessons and all the great things we get from making mistakes. From being disappointed, from being let down, look at all the good things that come from that. Now, do I want to be let down and disappointed and rejected and go through and make mistakes all the time? No. Is that how life is supposed to be? No. But there are beautiful things that come out of that. Like this. I have desperately wanted people to see things about me that I haven't wanted to say. I haven't either been able to or wanted to see in myself. And I can recognize that this probably terrified some of the people around me. And mostly it's just me trying to accept me. Issue wasn't even with them. It was still me trying to figure out, Brandon, what's wrong with you? Because in the moment that my dad couldn't accept himself, he projected it on me. 
Now, logically, do I know that? Absolutely. But does my inner child still crave for someone to say, if whether something was wrong with you or not, I still love you? Absolutely. Am I, do I still feel resentful in that moment that that first person has to be me? Absolutely. I could choose to do it or choose not to do it. One of the things I've been trying to say to my, one of the things I've been saying to myself lately is, Brandon, you can't control what other people say or do. You can control how you show up. You can control what your yes is. You can control what your no is. You can dictate your terms. And you can set people free. You want to know something? Setting people free is when you say yes to yourself or when you say no to someone because you're saying yes to yourself. Because you know what you do? You free that person for an enthusiastic yes. And that's something I had to realize about, bro. As I had to realize, I said, you know something? Me taking on that project half-heartedly didn't even give him the chance to either discover something he needed, figure out something, or find an editor who was going to be like, yes, this is what I want. You, you know the joy that comes from being able to enthusiastically say yes to something, even if it's challenging or difficult? The joy where you're like, yes, 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 this is what I want to do. Or you're like, no, no, no. How many times have we had people in our life that have overrode our yeses and our noes and our autonomy? I have. I have had people do that to me. Say your no has no value. Your yes has no value. The only thing that has value is whether you please me or not. And so we learn to stifle that inner voice that says, don't do that. Try it a different way. This isn't the situation you want. And we learn to just go because we think that we have to grit our teeth and bear it. And that's what makes us men and women. And it doesn't. Because all those times you grit your teeth and bear it something. True. God may come through and bless you for it. But at the end of the day, we are still responsible for our actions. There's a quote in the Bible that even says, don't make yourself surety for another man's debt or you'll have to throw yourself in front of the mercy of a judge. Which basically is saying, fam, don't lock yourself in to being indebted to someone else on their sake. Because when it comes down to that, they're not going to come for the person. They're going to come for you. An example of that was when I told you about the situation with my homeboy's project or this person's project, as I say. It didn't matter whether I thought things were wrong with his project. If I did, which I did, if I was really his friend, I'd have told him. I'd have told him ahead of time, I'm not taking on this project. And even if it wasn't my place to criticize it, it was still my place to say yes or no. To criticize this project wasn't my place. But to say yes or no honestly was. It's a terrifying thing having autonomy. It's a more terrifying thing giving that autonomy up. There's so many things in life that have cost us, cost me, who I am. And that's not a price I'm willing to pay anymore. Because the world needs who I am, even if that person is not perfect and flawless, even if that person is going to make mistakes and is going to say things, that person is someone that has integrity and is able to acknowledge those things. That person is not a conglomeration of all of the rights and wrongs and corrects. That person is a person that is worthy to be loved as they are, for who they are. That person still feels scared to receive that love. 
and that person is opening up to receiving it anyway. For anybody that's listening that needs this, one person's no is one other person's enthusiastic yes. So I've been learning to set my friends free and set the people around me free. Because sometimes you never know what that person's no, your, that person's no might be. Their no means somebody else is ready to enthusiastically say, yes, 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 this is exactly what I was looking for. You know, there's that quote that says one man's trash is another man's treasure. That's really kind of what it means. Some people may look at what you have and they might say, nah, that ain't good enough for me. But somebody's nah, that ain't good enough for me. It's somebody's, oh, my God, that is exact. You are exactly what I was looking for. That's somebody that's going to praise whatever deity they believe in. Every single day for the fact that you exist in their life. So I just want to encourage, not even just encourage, I'm not even trying to be, you know, political or whatever. I just, I just want y'all to know this. This is something that I've been learning and experiencing. There's a lot of value in um, who you are and who you're becoming. And who you are right now is still worthy of being loved. There's nothing about you and there never will be anything about you that is not worthy of being loved. There are so many things I've tried to change. I've tried to get better at the way I look, the way I groom myself, the way I take care of myself, the way that I show up on a daily basis. And I do that on the daily sometimes because there's a part of me that is still like, but if you didn't, they would not love you. But for everybody under the sound of my voice, I say that stops today if that's you. May every person under the sound of my voice know that you are unequivocally, irrevocably loved. That's my prayer for everybody. And that's my word over everybody's life in Jesus' name. Amen. I promised y'all I keep it real. This is what I know to do. I promised all I give y'all what I have. This is what I do. And I ask it just like I always do. If y'all love what I do, if y'all appreciate everything I do, go pay it forward to somebody else, all right? I absolutely love y'all. Peace. Come on, march with me, march with me.